am I the only thing in your life that is this consternating? I live a very happy life outside of this podcast. So I am the sole darkness in your life. There is a dark thread, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think a podcast is the place to explore that. You know, we're trying to put some smiles on people's faces and, and show them a good time. So I don't know necessarily whether we really need to dig up our issues on this show. So I'm, I'm one of very few dark threads in your life. Whatever our issues may be, and, and, and they're clearly there. Mm-hmm. That's not what this podcast is about. That's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is Pumpkins, a Hubie Halloween podcast, the only unofficial weekly podcast about the 2020 Adam Sandler movie, Hubie Halloween. That's right. Every week, Pumpkins is your in-depth guide to Hubie Dubois, his next-door neighbor, Walter Lambert, and all the Halloween-loving residents of Salem, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Gary Suarez. I'm a freelance journalist and culture critic, and I write the hip-hop newsletter, Cabbages, which you can read for free at cabbages.substack.com. I'm joined by my co-host, music industry insider, Jeffrey Lachlan. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you? Uh, I... uh... I'm okay, I suppose. Okay, so here's what I don't like. I I watched this film a second and a half time, and I totally forgot that it's like 150 hours long. It's so long. So I've 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 been sitting for two hours, kind of questioning in myself, like, what if what have I really done to Gary? I know we've covered this in other podcasts that maybe this is a revenge fantasy that's living out for you. But now you're telling me that you're like mad at me for not liking the film to which now I feel like a a fantasy should be a a field where you're happy. Does that make sense? You should be in a place that makes you feel good. And instead I'm here dragging you down into the depths of hatred. I just want to say how delighted I am that you you've now watched this movie a second full time. I feel like we've turned a corner in our friendship and in our podcast. I feel are- the opposite way. I feel like the torture level, the pain in my life has been ratcheted up. I'm sorry that watching a humorous Halloween themed Adam Sandler movie is so painful to you. When, when does the humor start? From the beginning. The very beginning, because he you, fell off when his you, bike? When, no, when you see Ben Stiller show up in a reprise of his classic role from uh, Happy Gilmore. We've really not touched. Right, is the bar so low with Adam that we're like, oh, good, he's creating, which means he's not shitting on the hallway floor. Ben Stiller could have pulled back that blanket and revealed anything. It could have been anything. The fact that it was Jello and hot dogs and the word buy is funny because it's unexpected. That doesn't make it funny. Unexpected doesn't mean funny. I didn't expect there to be a fight at the Chinese restaurant the other night when I was sitting on my roof. Do you live in a bad neighborhood, Jeff? Bed-Stuy? No. I, mean, I, I don't I thought, think bed is bad. I thought it had been fully gentrified by this point. I thought so too. If I'm here, mm. it must be. I'm in bed right now making a Hubie Halloween podcast. Like, go ahead and toss the old definition of gentrification out the window. The new one is when people are in your neighborhood smashing the record button on a Hubie Halloween podcast, you no longer live in a dangerous neighborhood. I want to introduce our first guest, Natalie Norman. She's a stand-up comedian, podcaster, and licensed astrologer from Toronto. Her comedy album, The Big Reveal, is available for sale on Bandcamp, and it's easily one of the funniest sets I've heard in years. Here today to offer her no-doubt hilarious take on Hubie Halloween, please welcome to the show, Natalie Norman. Hi! Hi! So excited to be here. This is the highlight of my life. I'm taking that to think maybe you enjoyed the movie Hubie Halloween? I mean, no, the like doing a podcast is the highlight, not the movie. <laughs> yeah, um, that was some film. Some film. So you're still using the term film, though, to describe it. 
I was actually, you know what? I just thought about it. And I was like, why did I say film? That was like a, a barely a movie, barely. Gary, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You've, you've opposed me at every turn. And now I'm, she's saying things that I actually believe. Jeff doesn't care for this movie very much. Um, and That's a really nice way of putting it. Good for, <laughs> good for you, Gary. And I quite like it. And so um, this seems like a good opportunity to kind of talk about what it is that maybe you didn't like about it. And then maybe we can work our way through it. Um, I love this idea. Um, can I, so this is my big thing about this whole ridiculous film. What, like, I'm watching this film and I'm like, what is wrong with Adam Sandler's character? I, is he supposed to be playing slow? Like, I don't, and I'm worried I'm going to sound offensive by that, but like, there's something going on. He's putting on this voice and I'm offended by it. Can you be offensive about something that is so wildly offensive already? Well, it's like weird because they never acknowledged, like they acknowledge that like he's bullied a lot, but they never acknowledge that something's wrong with him. I don't know what this character choice was for this film. Like, it was offensive. It was very expensive. And it's ex also the exact same character in Waterboy. Yeah, this has come up before. This idea that okay, he's using, okay. like, this You're is gonna, like a less. I, I'll let you guess who brought this shit up, too. <laughs> it's like a less Cajun Waterboy. Mm. I mean, I almost find it more offensive than Waterboy because we're in 2020. This film had to have been made at the, like, I assume early 2020 before the pandemic. I don't know who in their right mind was like, this character choice is brilliant. Like, it's offensive. I'll tell like, you who. Adam love... Sandler, the person that like, made and paid for all of this. Netflix was fine with it. But that's the thing. Like, how did so? How did it get through so many people and everyone, even the people that are in the film? Was no one like, hey, what the hell's happening? I just, like, I was offended and I had to try and watch this twice because I was so offended. Twice. That's amazing. Um, no, no, no. I didn't make it through the first time. And I like I made it halfway through and forgot everything. So I had to restart it. And I was just like, I kept on thinking, like, how much did these actors get paid to be in this movie? Like, what amount of money could get me to act in this shit? Well, here's the thing, Natalie. And I'm, you know, I think that if I walked up to you and said, show up at this place and then just make fun of a character and we'll give you Netflix money, I'm not going to lie. Like, times is tight. Would you? Would you? Times is tight. But the finished product, I'd certainly be a little more outspoken and be like, okay, this thing sucks. Nobody's spoken out. They've all been like, oh, man, we had a blast. Who cares if they had a blast? Nothing made sense. Like, no. what was the jello scene off the top? <laughs> okay, we were just talking about the jello scene. Like, I'm actually offended by it because I was like, what a waste of jello. Why is Ben still and hot here? dogs? What? Oh, hot dogs. Sorry, I blacked that out. <laughs> it also felt very um, young Frankenstein, only shitty, you, but, like not good. Yeah, like a terrible, terrible young Frankenstein. But like, there was there's no nothing in this movie makes sense. I'm actually took my glasses off. I'm so stressed out. <laughs> well, we didn't have you on the show to stress you out, so so let's let, let's ease our way back a little bit. I think that's that's my okay, best. Okay. Um, okay. We should have picked a different film. From my perspective, is that this film is a lot of ways a love letter to those early classic Sandler films, like Billy Madison, The Waterboy, Happy Gilmore, those classic Sandler films. Quick question: Is this a love letter to those films, or is it a? stained envelope with a blurry Polaroid of a small penis sent to these films. I understand the nostalgia. I'm a big fan of nostalgia. I love throwbacks. Um, I just think it misses in every regard. Like, I think there's better characters to have um, thrown back to. I just, I just cannot fathom. There's so much about this, like, like, why did what's his name play that? I mean, he always plays a crazy character. I'm going to forget his name. I like, I want to call him Big Eyes. Buscemi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to ask, I want to ask you a few questions, Natalie. If that's okay. okay. Go for it. Because Gary's just going to keep trying to push you toward this like love fest and that it's a wonderful movie and family friendly and all this nonsense, which it is. I actually don't think it's family friendly. 
why were all the characters total dicks? That's what I couldn't understand. Like a whole town, especially I assume Salem, <laughs> um, they wouldn't be all like huge pieces of shit like this. Like not one character was nice except I don't know what Julie's name in the movie is. Violet I, Valentine, yeah. Violet, Violet. Except Violet, and also the, there's no way that, by the way, that Violet had a crush on him for this long and didn't say anything. Like, I, it's just like, she's clearly, like, this is definitely a commentary, in my opinion, on, like, women being amazing and then being afraid of these nerds. Like, I don't know what is happening here in this dynamic, and I hate that. Well, there's the small town dynamic there too, which I think this is what they're speaking to is like, these are people who never left their tiny town and they fell for whatever options. So they suck. Well, that's why she people in tiny towns that don't suck. It puts Julie Bowen's character, Violet Valentine in a position to end up with somebody like Kevin James's uh, Sergeant Steve Downey, who is definitely the wrong fit for, uh, for her. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) So her choices in this matter are Hubie Halloween, Hube, I'm sorry, Hubert Schubert Dubois. Thank you. Wait, that his name is Hubert, Hubert Schubert, Schubert Dubois? Dubois? That's his full name. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, does anyone else wish they were in this writer's room? And like, did they all just smoke so much fucking pot? Like what? I smoke pot all the time and I never would have come up with something this bad. Fair, okay, were they on acid? Like I can't Now we're talking. They, <laughs> they had to have been on something. I feel like it was Molly. For sure. They took a bunch of money. They were like, you know what's cool, man? Everything. And they just like wrote it down and then put it out. I just, I just, I just have some, I can't even like, I'm fine to be stressed out. It's a nice feeling for my utter disdain from regular day. But um, I just don't know how any of this happened. I truly, I can't understand how so many people I know are amazing and talented writers and fantastic actors and this is the shit that netflix decided to produce i get adam sandler's a pulp so many people watch this film well that's because we're forced to be home i don't know if we weren't in a pandemic people would have watched it these films do well on the netflix platform you know uh and i think that that's a testament to you know netflix i think re-upped for this one i think they did the first round of them and then they re-upped and this is in the second round of deal. So clearly it's a relationship that's working. There are people who are watching these movies. I've watched all of the Adam Taylor Netflix movies. There's some that I actually quite enjoy. This to me is the worst one. Um, and I just, I understand that Adam has, Adam Taylor has a huge following. And in fact, I thought his special was incredible and it was funny and it wasn't offensive. And then we get to this and you're like, has like, what happened to him? What happened? Yeah. Okay. Like, what are the circumstances to which you would date Hubert Schubert Dubois? I'm going to be honest. I've probably dated a Hubert Schubert Dubois. There's no way, like, for real? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just think a lot of my exes would be described like that. Um, So that's the thing. But, but this is the thing. We're forgetting that there's a third option here. She didn't have to be with anybody. Right. And why wasn't that a fucking option? Like, why couldn't they have been friends? Why couldn't this have been a story about a really great friendship? This is a great question. I love that question. Because Adam Sandler movies treat women like trash. Yeah, the the whole, her whole existence is to, like, um, be this homey caregiver. I'm not saying she's homey, but, like, she has all these children. She's, like, like best mom. And she's in love with this loser. Like, this is... Two of them. This is... Two of them. Exactly. This is ridiculous. Women aren't really like this. I don't know anybody who would choose either of those men, except, of course, maybe me. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just atrocious. He needs to write better female leads. And actually, I just want to sidetrack. There is one where I feel like the character women are better, slightly better. And I can't remember the name of the film, but it's him and Chris Rock's wife. Um, children get married that one like the characters the women are better in that film um it's just like also his like wife always appearing in the film's story like do you you saw her as uh as that reporter that hot reporter also um sorry sorry what's with the deal with the voices bit Shaq and his wife yes 
where they just have like weird voices and he's like i can't wait to hear your real voice she looks at him and is like this is my real voice <laughs> yeah i didn't that get was that the bit. whole I plot also- divide like they had a whole thing that was that was a joke in the film that's what that film danes is a joke yeah and that's not a joke i found that also offensive <laughs> right right i mean it just who cares whose voice sounds like feminine or masculine and what their appearance looks like like what year is this your your anger at this film is a healing salve for my soul you're welcome because like i was telling gary earlier before we were on mic my friends who have listened to this podcast have like fully joined gary and they're all ganging up on me and all telling me how great this movie is even though i know that it's sarcastic and i know that they're doing this to mess with my mind they're they all want me to believe that this is a good film and that i'm i'm being gaslit i'm on your side a hundred percent um i'm in fact gonna give that this movie a thumbs down (laughs) (laughs) gary gary you can't take her voice away from her bud that's not what this i don't intend to i'm just saying before we do anything hasty like start throwing thumbs around let's just take a step back and, and take a deep breath and you know i Next question. Next, I, let's go to the next I, question, and then we can get to the thumbs up, thumbs I down. I just want to just. I just want to. I'm actually going to give one plus, and I'm sorry to do this, Jeff. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. You? Um, the the his mother, her shirts are incredible. June Squibb, Academy Award nominated actress. Who's, June Squibb. Who who in Salem, Mass, is like making these shirts? And then well, immediately, also, like they they're in great condition, just tossing them aside. But also, um, yeah, they're in great condition, and they're really cheap. They're fifty cents. But one of those one of those shirts is actually a bit in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, and that really fucked me up because I was like, "Isn't this like copyright?" There's like a I don't know how well either of you know Brooklyn Nine Nine, but there's a scene where they're like um stuck in a small town, and a woman caught footage of them fighting of like two characters fighting and they went to go get the footage from her and she was wearing that boner donor shirt. Mm. Oh, it was the boner donor shirt. Oh yeah. I didn't even put that together. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that feels like weird because it's, it's 100% the same bit. That's that's so the one plus you're giving it is that they recycled a joke from a much funnier apparatus. Yeah. And it just happens to be that I personally am going to make myself that shirt. And then, that's it. I just thought I just love that shirt. I think that's what it is. Meaning, meaning that the only thing that is good about this film is a T-shirt worn by an actress that wasn't even an original idea in the first place. This rules. You're the best guest ever. <laughs> Thank you. Don't put words in in there. Now, Jeff, I think you had you had a question. Can you ask that question now, please? Has Hubert Schubert Dubois ever had sex or kissed another human being? outside of his family honestly i was thinking about this throughout the film (laughs) okay because we We were thinking about it we knew it we were also thinking about this (laughs) i I mean i just like like i was thinking like i don't know i i lost my virginity really late in life so i always like relate to like a character that like i assume hasn't had sex but like i assume he's 40 or 50 in this movie i don't know (laughs) three three um and I'm just like, I feel that I feel sad for this character. I feel sad because I feel like he's bullied constantly. He is made to seem like he couldn't achieve anything. And like, I just feel like he's never had sex or kissed. And I feel really sad about that. So like how, how awful and desperate is Violent Valentine at this point? No, no, we're not rehashing that again. I, we I have think, to. No. Listen, because this is the whole point is that like this whole town Minus Shaquille O'Neal and his wife eating a sandwich out of each other's mouth Spoiler is completely disec- desexualized. And I don't understand it. What, like, except for the old people that like wear boner donor t shirts and then don't know what boner means. Then nobody, nobody knew what boner meant in the Okay, that was Dubois also a family. weird joke. That was like a really weird joke. And I was like, I'm almost, I was offended by that joke. Because clearly someone in this family knows what a boner is. She had Second kids. Of all, <laughs> well, did she? 
did she I'm everything's listening. really loosey-goosey here i'm listening that's it kind of is I'll, I'll have to give you credit good for point. that i'm <laughs> um, like for all we know she found that child on the side of a street like you know you want to make a, a love story if you're saying this is a love story like the character has to be a real person in some way but also maybe i'm being naive to think that someone like that wouldn't have had sex well i think that whether or not hubie's had sex and i think we all sort of feel like he probably hasn't there are some indicators in the film i think that raise the question of whether or not he'd actually be any good at it and okay this is i'm gonna stop you here this as someone who's dated a lot of hubie shubies dubois they tend to be really good (laughs) okay Okay. This is an unexpected turn. No, no, no. This is this is why we have experts on the show. Totally. No, I'm not. I'm not mad at all. This is this is wild. Like I did not expect someone to be like these dudes bang. That guy. (laughs) Those guys fuck. It's real. Normally, people with thermoses full of soup just aren't super sexual (laughs) to me. But hit me. Like, listen, listen. In March of 2020 i was dating someone who made me watch him play video games like i I, like so like i feel it's that same incel vibe not saying that hubie was an incel but i will say i feel like they're trying to compensate for their maybe inexperience and they're willing to take adventures and they tend to be like freaks and want weird stuff so like to me that sounds like a, a good time so you're you want like okay if let's say we put you in, you have full domain of your faculties, but you are. Listen, I'm never saying I do this on purpose. It just happens. Mm. So I don't think I would personally hit on this character. And also, honestly, the only reason I did sleep with this weird Twitch person was because I hadn't had sex in a while. And he was very attractive. So that's also the difference. Um, but yeah, I. If I was Violet, Violet, I wouldn't. Okay. Just wondering. The way we say the way we say it in Yiddish is uh, not good. Not Ooh. good. Ooh. <laughs> that, not good. That might be the harshest thing that's ever been on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I've said some pretty awful things, but I think you really nailed it. You you got it you got it in, in Yiddish for us. <laughs> Shit. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, this has been uh, informative and enlightening, but uh, before we let you go, if you were on a date with somebody and mm-hmm. you happen to have a conversation with them, which again, is quite reasonable, about the movie Hubie Halloween, would their opinion on Hubie Halloween in any way impact your opinion about this person as a viable dating prospect? Essentially, okay. what we're getting to is what are my prospects for having seen this movie two and a half times? Of getting like to, like dating. If up. I rolled up and was like, I've seen Hubie Halloween two and a half times. What's good? Uh, well, if you rolled up and said that, I'd be like, go the fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you nuts? Like, this is why he's single, by the way. I've never <laughs> used them. Like, how? How so, Gary? Come on. There's plenty of great reasons why I'm single, and Hubie Halloween has nothing to do with it. This is a big one, clearly. <laughs> um, like if middle of a conversation, you know what? You know when you drop that information? When? When you're already in bed with someone. <laughs> oh, so you're like post-coital cuddling and you're like maybe running a finger down someone's neck and you're like, you know, I've seen uh, Hubie two and a half times. <laughs> yeah, because in well, a weird way, talk. that would be, yeah, that in a weird way would be like endearing. You'd be like, what's wrong with this person? LOL. <laughs> I have been, I have given worse pillow talk, I feel like, than I've seen Hubie Halloween too. No, I haven't. I haven't. I don't think that's bad. I don't actually think that's bad pillow talk. I think like whether or not you like the film and like whether or not we're in desperate times for anything to be on at all times. Like I always have my TV on. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, it's about whether or not you like the film and you're like, why did you watch it twice? Um, Were you trying to- Sub question. (laughs) Okay. How how are my prospects if uh, I am on- a regularly airing Hubie Halloween podcast. I mean, that's fine. You're like, I think you just explained it like, hey, it's a pandemic. Mm. Um, I am trying to have a creative outlet. And I think this movie is ridiculous. And I want everyone to know that it's terrible. 
That is my goal in this pod. Right? Yeah. I just like feel like I should also mention that like not everyone I date is like 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 Hubie. And I just want to say that sometimes I date really amazing people. Yeah. But yeah, I think no, that's a no. good clarification point. I, I just wanted to like clarify that. No, for sure. We, we don't want people to get the wrong impression about you, Natalie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we don't want you to seem disingenuous here. No. <laughs> just because you bang oh. incels sometimes. Not all the time. <laughs> I've only kissed like three. It's like five. Okay. That's see? not bad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank, thank, no, thank you, for- <laughs> thank you for your service. <laughs> I am. It is a service. It is a service to the world. But once again, I want to say, like, I, I am in a situation right now and he is not an incel. So there we go. Phew. Excellent. Yep. Phew. I'm very I'm happy for you. Thank you. We're, we're rooting for you, Natalie. Thank you. Just don't tell him you saw Hubie Halloween. I honestly think uh, he would probably never speak to me again. I think this. that, yo, it's a breaking point. Don't do that. Even for like, no, I did it for fame. I did it for the gram. It's not a good enough excuse. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I, I do think if you said it in bed, sorry, I just want to reiterate, I think it would be in bed, like a funny conversation to have. There you go. Hubie Halloween, a funny conversation to have. Natalie Norman, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. That was amazing for me to hear somebody else who like hated Hubie Halloween. But the I miserable say, I wouldn't part, say hate. I wouldn't say hate. Hate seems a little strong. I think she hated it. But okay, we'll just have to have her clarify on social media. Agree uh, to disagree. Smash the follow on, on Natalie Norman and we'll talk a little more about all this. But yeah. I still had to talk about Hubie Halloween. And as per our blood oath, our pact, with the devil, now we get we have to talk about something else. Well, I don't think that's a hard and fast rule, but no, I think we also don't have a blood pact with the devil. But I like, I feel like we still need to do it. I, I think we can, we can move on from that conversation. I feel like we both got our points in, and I, I feel good about that. But maybe you're right. Maybe we should kind of. How does it feel to have been ganged up on? It feels pretty good, right? I mean, I don't want to call it being ganged up on. I mean, I think that it was a, a lively conversation and, you know, there were some good points made and there were some not so good points made. Most all of them you. were yours. All the not good ones were yours. I mean, again, agree to disagree. <laughs> I just think that we can, uh, we can talk about something else with our next guest. You know, we have a great uh, guest Namir blade coming up. Um, and instead of talking to him about Hubie Halloween, we could talk to him about something else, maybe something else in cinema. I'm so excited to introduce our guest, Namir Blade. He's a rapper and producer from Nashville, Tennessee. His latest album is called Affiliates Traveling Circus, available from Mellow Music Group and wherever music is streamed or sold. Please welcome Namir Blade to the show. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I'm great. It's really uh, a thrill to have you on. Your new album has this kind of prominent sci-fi and fantasy component. You know, all the songs take place in this futuristic universe that you've built with these characters that those of us in the present can relate to. And when we were thinking about this, I said, you know who's really good when it comes to sci-fi and fantasy? Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, baby. The raging Cajun rage cage. Love him. I love him. I'm thrilled that you're willing to talk to us about this because I feel like... Nicholas Cage is the kind of actor who could fit 
pretty well in this universe you've built on on the album. Were you to make this into a movie at some stage, where in this world, in this circus, would you put Nicolas Cage and why? I'll probably make Nicolas Cage like the primary villain and all of this. Like he would be the dude that's like, he, he'd be from the space feds, yeah? Okay. So like he'd be from the space federales sent to like investigate the circus because like there's rumor that there's like some illegal like money laundering type shit going on and Nicolas Cage would just be like the special agent who's sent there to just like destroy the show like fuck up acts Mm. like sneak backstage to where he shouldn't be and like just pose distractions and just pretty much just like wreak chaos man because like I feel like Nicholas Cage is like a chaotic dude. Like you can see it in like all this shit. Like there's a madman inside of him just waiting to come out and he lets it bleed through in like some of the movies and shit. But like it just be cool to just see him like on a warpath for like the whole joint. Like Nicholas Cage on 35,000. What's interesting to me is that you envisioned him in this villain capacity. And it's rare that he actually plays a straight up bad guy in these films. He does, but in a lot of ways, he plays either a troubled or problematic protagonist, or he plays uh, an anti-hero. You know, I think about things like Ghost Rider, uh, yeah. or, you know, or you think of something like he plays not the villain necessarily, but in no way it's a hero, like his character in Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that like you, from your perspective, see the villain in him, maybe the, the potential or promise for him as a villainous character. Hell yeah. I was one of those people that thought Nicolas Cage should like play the Joker in a Batman film mm. at some point. Like that'd be the tightest shit. Like just seeing Nicolas Cage, like just harassing Batman, mm. like nonstop. Like him and um, him in that police movie was hilarious too. Like he was a whole crackhead. <laughs> he was a whole crackhead in that shit, man. But yeah, like most Nicolas Cage movies I've seen, he's usually like a halfway decent person. Except for like, I'll probably say with the exception of like Lord of War. Yeah. And um, what's that other joint? Uh, I think the family man where he was just like out here hoeing on his wife and mm. shit. I feel like it doesn't matter whether or not he's a good or bad person in these films per se. Uh-huh he's always going to look like shit. <laughs> he could be the president. He could be a shark. He could be anything. He's going to have kind of a beat up weird wife beater with a shirt over it and a scraggly beard and look like he just woke up. Do you think that's because he don't shave his chest ever? <laughs> never. I, that guy's never seen a, a good razor in his life. And it's incredible. I, no matter who casts him, they're like, okay, what we need you to do is look like Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Because it's like, what do you, what else do you cast him for? Like, I couldn't, totally. I couldn't cast him in like a movie where it's just like, all right, Nicolas Cage, like your role is just like the righteous pastor, no matter what. And like you help inner city kids learn about themselves and like break beyond like their circumstances. But you have to be the good guy, like shave your chest. Oh, yeah. No, he's never. <laughs> no, he's never going to be a lean on me guy. Hell That's no. Never gonna happen. no. He's no, he's never no. he's never been that. I mean, like the thing is, it's always funny because if you go back in his catalog, like they pitched him as a romantic lead and he had successful kind of romantic comedy roles like Honeymoon in Vegas, you know, is one of those classic things. But like as we've seen over the past really 20 years of his catalog, of his filmography. He is not that guy. He is not the romantic lead. He is a wide-eyed psycho who brings it to every single role. (laughs) You were talking before about him playing the cop on the pipe in Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, where there's so many ridiculous things in there. I was watching an interview with the director, uh, Werner Herzog, who talks about how much of what Nicolas Cage did in the film was improvised. That's fucking genius. I kind of caught that vibe from him just from watching most of his movies. Cause like I went to, y'all went to school for for acting, um, middle school to high school and watching films like as an adult. Cause like when I was in high school and middle school and I was in it, it was like, whatever, whatever. I kind of just stayed away from films and TVs and especially musicals. Cause that shit was just exhausting after like, that's your whole like school day curriculum. I feel like as an adult, I watch movies differently because I watch a lot of his shit. And like some of those freakouts, it's just like, fam, you can't script that. Like that's all him. You could tell because like even some of like the the other actors or like the extras or the background actors in the show 
um, or the movie, they're even taken aback by this shit. They're like, yo, what the fuck? I don't think that we would believe a single Nick Cage movie, like a single Nick Cage character, if not for at least one scene where he completely loses his mind. <laughs> because you're like, I'm losing my mind. And it's always right about the point that you're losing your mind. You're going to turn the damn movie off because you're just not going to suffer through this anymore. Then he goes completely nuts and the movie gets better. <laughs> Real shit. Every time. Color Out of Space is my favorite yes. version of this. Because I was waiting for the Nick Cage freak out. Yes. He gets in his car. No spoilers here, I promise. Gets in his car, freaks out. Immediately, the movie is incredible <laughs> for like 40 minutes. One of the best movies I've ever seen for 40 minutes after like an hour and a half of awful. Of just like, why do I care about these people at all? Freak out, genius. <laughs> Color in his Bank face it. was a slap. Face off. Face off. You're just like, this is so stupid. And he does the face off scene, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> everything makes sense now. These people are all nuts. <laughs> Yo, the standoff killed me in face off. Like, oh man, it, yes. it, it, it was like the most classic shit I ever seen in my life. It was just like, so what are we gonna do? And then you just hear from like the fucking rafters, like somebody just fucking slides in, like riding a fucking dove, does mm. a backflip off the dove, like kicks somebody in the head with two guns. And he's just like, aha, here I am now. Like the, the standoff has been complicated. I have two guns and a missile. What now? Like, oh my God. Yeah, face off was clutch. No, Shout out to John Woo. I think he was one of the first directors to truly let Nicolas Cage be Nicolas Cage. Like, I think David Lynch 100% absolutely agree. gave him a lot of leeway. And, you know, I think it was Lynch was one of the directors who uh, who kind of referred to what Nick Cage does as jazz. There's mm. something about what John Woo and the kind of the absurdity of the type of action movie he can do, where it's just like it's stylistically stunning, but there's no shame in making things go over the top. You know, you get that in this film and you just go like how in a movie where you're acting opposite the scenery chewing john travolta himself do you create a role that is more iconic except when he is mm -hmm. pretending to be nicholas cage <laughs> he's an utterly forgettable person in this i don't film. think he's playing and and the only times we care about him at all is when he's when when he also is Nicolas Cage because Nicolas Cage acting like John Travolta also is Nicolas Cage yes <laughs> nothing changes but John Travolta's like I'm an actor I should really try to get into this role and Nicolas Cage is looking at him like fucking idiot it's a movie where we change faces just like walk around and be weird and it was he was absolutely right <laughs> 100%. I think so. I've been thinking about this for a it long, worked. long time. I think about Nicolas Cage a lot more than I probably should. And it all kind of stems back to this episode of Community where they try to sort of pin down Nick Cage. And one of the characters actually loses mm. his mind and tries to quit critiquing film because he can't figure out Nick Cage. Is he good or is he bad? And I think that Nick Cage is off leash great all the time. But anyone who tries to leash Nick Cage ends up with a terrible movie. I wonder, are there any examples of like instances to where people tried to pin down Nick Cage and like that shit just ended up being like the most mid of mid. I movies. think in Drive Angry, they were dealing with a bunch of idiots and they tried to like make that a movie. And then Nick Cage was like, oh, enough. I'm just going to ruin this. Thing. Oh, I shit. recently rewatched Drive Angry, which yeah. I used to own on 3D DVD. Oh, sorry. 3D Blu-ray. Nice. Wait, for real? I bought a 3D Blu-ray player. It was uh, right uh, after I separated from my first wife. I bought a TV, a big fucking TV, and I bought a 3D Blu-ray player. And the first thing I bought was the Drive Angry 3D Blu-ray. You think you know somebody. You That's spend years <laughs> with them. You, you make a podcast together, and then they just become a totally oh, different person right in front of you. Am I in a Nick Cage no, film? Are you people's... Nick Cage? That's amazing. Quite possibly. But I think we can be really hard on, on Nick Cage about, uh, or hard on people who stifle him. But clearly, as we know, there have been so many films where he has made tons of choices that only he would have made. Yeah. One example that I saw is the first Ghost Rider movie. He doesn't drink in the movie. 
He eats jelly beans, often from martini glasses. He has a fixation on monkeys. He thinks monkeys are the funniest thing. And he loves the music of the Carpenters. As do I. Oh, yeah. Like, that's some zany shit. Like, Nick Cage is a zany dude. Look, hit me with some fave zany moments, if you can remember any, Namir. I'll probably say, um, and I think it was National Treasure 2. Was that the one where, um, like, my man's family was, like, trying to get framed for the death of uh, Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, I think Lincoln that was the second shit? one. Yeah, that's correct. Where, where, where? It was when um, when he was in, uh, I think it was, at, I think, mm-hmm. Buckingham Palace. And uh, he had to, like, form a distraction. So, like, he just started bugging the fuck out. He did some shit, and he slid down the, down the little spiral staircase poles, like, started harassing people, like, dancing. And then, like, I think when the security people was trying to check him or somebody was trying to check him, like, bro did a whole British accent. Like, whole British accent was talking about tippy type of toilet, water, 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 water. And then he said, haggis, haggis. <laughs> <laughs> and they took his ass the fuck out of there. I was just like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with this man? I was just like, this man is insane. They just hit the camera on roll and were like, do your thing. Oh, I guess. <laughs> and I'll probably say my other zany moment was, um, so earlier today, I was watching a joint to where uh, uh, he was a vampire. Like he got turned into a vampire by um, the freaky ass girl. So there was one point to where like he was dealing with like becoming a vampire and shit. And um, his secretary, he had tasked his secretary with like looking for like a file that was misplaced or some shit or a file that was like mishandled. And um, like he had just came from getting dubbed by this girl he was trying to talk to. Cause he was supposed to meet her and apologize, but like vampire girl, like slipped in and, and gave him the work. So like he got a letter from a uh, old girl and she was just like, yo, stay the fuck out of my life. And um, he was, he freaked out. He tore down his apartment the next day at work. He's in his office, like tweaking. And then he finally just like, yo, enough is enough. So like, he's calling his secretary and I'm pretty sure like his secretary act like she don't hear him. Like that's the move. So like he calls her louder. And then you just see like her like shuffling through papers and Nick Cage door busts open and he runs out. And at that point, like she's just like, oh, shit. And she turns around and this man jumps on the desk, points at her and like says her name. And she takes off running and he like he chases her like all the way to the bathroom. And she's like, I got a gun. I got a gun. Don't come any closer. Yo, that that shit killed me. And the alphabet shit, too, when he was in therapy. Like where he was like, A, B, C, D, elemental B. You went deep for that one. 1988's Vampire's Kiss is not a film I expect us to talk about today. It's a heater. If you look up Nicolas Cage Vampire, you do get some things about Vampire's Kiss. But the first hit that I got was Nicolas Cage denies vampire accusations. Quote, (laughs) quote, I don't drink blood. Yo, <laughs> meaning, meaning at some point he needed to dispel a heavy rumor <laughs> that he was drinking human blood. Oh man, that is fucking nuts, yo. Like they 2012, they hit him, they hit him with the Illuminati bam. <laughs> they did, but anyway, I, I that's that's oh, wild shit. that that comes up before yeah. Vampire's Kiss. If you look up Nicolas Cage Vampire, oh, that is nuts. I gotta, I gotta test the theory now. I gotta see what's good with him drinking blood. <laughs> Yo, I got. I'm definitely going down that rabbit hole as soon as we're done here. Oh yeah. When you think about actors who you could accuse of credibly of being vampires in real life, he's high on that list. Yeah. Give me, give me, give me your top five probably vampires in um, Hollywood. Robert Downey Jr. Sick. Wesley. <laughs> a vampire to play a vampire everybody knows that exactly and they <laughs> never expect you will be in a vampire use Man. your mind brothers blade is a documentary <laughs> yeah, i'm, I'm a telling doc- you bro dude look we man, gotta Hollywood start an tell online you. trolling farm called blade is a documentary Yo, please, please, I'll be the first subscriber to. F- <laughs> yeah, that shit will. All right, be everybody. Fire. Hashtag Blade is a documentary from here on out. Whoever's listening, <laughs> yeah, just end listening. every tweet with Blade is a documentary. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. And um, Daniel Radcliffe. 
I think those are all excellent choices. I would throw into the mix. I would say Johnny Depp. Yeah, definitely. I think mm. that that is somebody who has some point stopped aging properly. And I, I think I'd be willing to say uh, Keanu Reeves. I think Keanu Reeves is somebody who, if he told me he's drinking blood to sustain his life, I would believe that. Thanks. I'm going to go a little off kilter. Um, well, it's, just, it's Nicolas Cage, so feel free. <laughs> but uh, my two, the people that came to mind early, uh, and I'm, I'm feeling really for not remembering her name. Oh, Kate Winslet. Uh, yeah. Claire Danes. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm. Uh, Margaret Cho, for mm. some reason, came to mind. I feel like she's a vampire. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey <laughs> is Alrighty a fucking then. vampire. <laughs> Yo! Yo! <laughs> uh, the, the description fits him like a glove. I think about Jim Carrey probably too much, and that's a subject for another podcast, definitely. Um, but I think about Jim Carrey too much because I think about how much I hated him in The Mask. And I was a huge oh, fan. I was okay. a huge fan of the comics. I loved the mask comics. You're the first person like, I've ever met in my life that was like, I was a huge mask comics guy. Are you learning a lot today? This I, is Gary yeah. you're learning things. <laughs> Gary Thanks for coming, man. Amir. He's really opening up this, this episode. Yo, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. And I, I've tried to think about who might have done the comics justice, which I feel like we do now all the time we talk about these movies. And no, I think Nicolas Cage would have done oh, The Mask. My God. <laughs> You're absolutely no. right. He could have brought out the darkness in that role in a way that Jim Carrey couldn't. Think Okay, think about this and, and tell me we can't somehow make this movie. But think about this. Nicolas Cage doing the Cuban Pete scene mm-hmm. would have yeah. been an absolute treasure. I suspect he's already done that in real life, not in front of cameras. I think he just, think does, he just does it in the mirror. Like maybe he the mask up. is his dream world. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Um, my pick for the mask is probably Jack Nicholson would be a hilarious mask. Mm. I'll hand you that. Okay, so Jack Nicholson around like what period in his career? I want to get a sense of how I'm thinking like, Cuckoo's Nest, Jack Nicholson. Like, am I thinking like Joker era? Am I thinking? I'm thinking Joker era in my head. Yeah, Is it like bucket list or I'll bucket list like, era. <laughs> man, if I could fuse like the um, if I could fuse the Joker era, the other one, and uh, the Shining era, like if you could fuse those into like one thing, I feel like that'd be like the perfect like. I feel like the mask Jack would be Nicholson. scary then. Oh, I'd be just fine with me. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the problem that that's the problem that, that movie lost is it was trying to be too PG, you know, and for a broad audience. And it needs to be fucking like hard R. It needs to be like Nicolas mm-hmm. Cage and kick ass. Like it needs to be like yeah. hard R, dark, weird, uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of uncomfortable, I want to bring something up. I want to ask Namir, have you seen the the trailer for the soon to be released new Nicolas Cage movie, Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh man. I really wish we had sent this to you beforehand. Cause this is, it's incredible. It's basically straight up and down. Uh, Kung Fu predator. Yo, Kung with, Fu with predator. Nicolas Cage as like a, a wise teaching role. It seems like. That's hilarious. I, I'm beyond excited for this film. Oh, I'm excited. I have it on good authority that it's already leaked to the to the stealing sites. Uh-huh. I don't okay. steal movies myself, but if I but were to steal one, it would be something in the Nicolas Cage oeuvre. You're just encouraging our listeners who happen to be that sort of uh, consumer that I, it is available to them. I think we probably have a podcast that's free of, of criminals. Allegedly. Allegedly. Right. allegedly people who would allegedly do such a thing would never listen to this podcast i don't never know. ever how could they how could they a podcast about hubie halloween and ephemera <laughs> let's go <laughs> let's let's talk a bit because one thing that i, I tried to f- i've tried to find kind of common threads in nicholas cage movies and I kind of put this into this sort of category of hell on wheels, Faustian bargains, and general devilry. There is something about Nicolas Cage that draws him to these roles where he plays 
a demon or someone who fights demons or is tortured by demons. And that's everything from like the crazy cultists and Mandy to the characters in the aforementioned Ghost Rider uh, and Drive Angry. Like he has this fixation on the darkness of hell. I feel like, and this is a theory of mine, Mm. at some point in Nicolas Cage's life, he wanted to do black metal. Do y'all see like do y'all see that shit too? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I like there's something about him because like, like Sorry, bro, this is shit. a revelation for me, and I'm that's awesome. Yeah, like that's how I feel. Cause like you can look at him because like I grew up listening to like um like punk and from punk to like more heavier shit. Mm-hmm. And like there was a commonality in like all the dudes who I knew that looked like listen to that. And they just like they look like Nicolas Cage and they carried themselves in Nicolas Cage from like every time I see Nicolas Cage perform like in a movie and like he wilds out, I just imagine like him being on a stage and like blast beats and like crazy riffs behind him. And like, it all makes sense. And then you look at his son and you look at his fashion sense outside of like, have y'all, have y'all just taken time to, to look on like at Nicolas Cage's fashion choices. I think you know that I have. Yo, like this conversation somebody... <laughs> would lead you to believe that I have. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was talking <laughs> with some people on um, on Clubhouse last night and we just got down to like the we were talking about the nastiest fits in the entertainment industry. And we just came upon like Nicolas Cage and like Dennis Rodman and like people like that. And like we just cycled through like Nicolas Cage, like his worst fits. And it's like he will have like on like a black leather jacket and it has studs and it's like black one collar is red and then like around the back of the neck it's like super fuzzy and like up, like it's, it's pretty wild he looks like um an emo brat's doll and yeah, so one time somebody <laughs> described that was really good <laughs> one time somebody described it as he walked into a like a really nice like haberdasher or like a the you know floor room of a place that has incredible fashion uh-huh. Uh huh. And said, "Take whatever scraps you have left over from what you just made, and toss it together, and make it kind of long. <laughs> make a duster out of it, please. Yeah, make a duster out of whatever you have laying around. Oh, and he does it, more. and they're like, yeah, I, I guess you could say I made that. Sure, <laughs> but I, 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 I feel like Nicholas Cage does all of his shopping at boutiques." in vegas hotels (laughs) i feel like him and russell westbrook got the same style (laughs) i'm trying to think of movies that wouldn't be better with him in the lead and it's i'm coming up with goose eggs here i mean look terminator better yeah yeah (laughs) he could have predator better he could just take he's doing predator it's called jujitsu nice (laughs) i'm gonna be first in line to see that in a legal way can we all check back in after we see jujitsu and just do like a 10 minute segment? Please. We might please. Have I want to tap really back want in. a review from both of you. We got to do a case study. <laughs> we got to compare our analytical data. <laughs> but like he's also slated to play Joe exotic, the tiger King. Yes. In a please. project, which just imagine the hair, which hair oh, is always yes. a thing with Nicholas cage, but He's gonna do the Joe Exotic hair. Whatever, what whoever's in charge of making this film, if you hear this, hurry up. I don't want to die before that happens. Yo, real shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're in the middle of a pandemic. We need this quick. The clock is ticking. Like, just get Let's all the go. shits out. Ticks out. <laughs> I need this film. I had no idea. That's tight. Him as Joe Exotica is sick. <laughs> Because, like, the thing with a lot of this Nick Cage stuff, and that's everything from, like, Con Air to this upcoming Joe Exotic movie, is he always does weird shit with his hair. Sometimes with his facial hair, but always does weird shit with his hair. Like, Remember how his hair was flowing really beautifully when he turned to the the, one of the enemies in Con Air and he said, put the bunny down? One of the best delivered lines in the history of the world. Put the bunny down. Chef's kiss. And his hair is just 
wild and free. It's, it's a beautiful thing when you see the different versions, like what version of his weird combination of hair and possible facial hair are we getting in this particular film? Each time it's a surprise. It's never the same thing. These are the choices he makes and you have to respect it. No, you have to. He's done too much and he's done shit that like any average person would be frightened to do either that or like take themselves way too seriously to do, especially if like some of that shit's like improv. And I feel like that's what sets yeah. him apart from a lot of people is because like he's willing to do that. He's willing to like dive into like his eccentricness. Cause I feel like everybody base level has that person like living inside of them and shit, but nobody like nobody really gives themselves the opportunity to do that past being the kid because being a kid it was just like oh where they're just doing kid shit like as eccentric but like as an adult i feel like that's compressed in a lot of people and nicholas cage was one of those who kept it maintained it and like tapped into it and used it to his advantage so like in a way like he's he's kind of an example if you're willing to go fully insane and like actually like I, we don't actually know if this is real or fake is like a really hard thing to do maybe and that he gets these roles like this because nobody else can quite sell a complete severance from reality like someone who is actually severed from reality it's like if you look at the directors he's worked with it's every actor's dream like he yeah. worked with spike jones he worked with marty scorsese he worked with joel schumacher he's worked with like big lynch. hollywood names he worked with david lynch exactly because like, with every every single director have all tried to direct a film where someone is completely insane but where he actually played a movie i would love for us to talk a bit about is adaptation where mm. he plays himself and his brother it's a really really good concept I watched that shit. Um, I watched it last night before I fell asleep. I had some nutty dreams too, but um, I watched that shit before I fell asleep. And um, cause I never seen it before. It was one of those joints that like, while I was at the secondhand video store looking for like some shit, like I love Huckabees or some shit like that. I'd see adaptation like right next to it. And I'm just like, what the, f is Nicolas Cage like a plant? And it's broken in the, it's like, what is that? I'm, in I'm a way, get, I yes. love Hucklebees. <laughs> but I watched it last night and that movie was like that song that you skip that's actually fire. Like, mm. yeah, like Twice the Cage. Um, and did he, did he rage in that movie? Was that a rager? I don't remember. Cause I feel like yeah, there's the, I'm, there's I'm, the tragedy, is the tragedy towards the end of it. And maybe that's, that counts as, as cage rage. And we are going to have to get into this because I think the reason why I had you on the show in the first place was you were talking about your theory of cage rage online. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, we need to explore that. Yeah. And it's cage has raged in every movie he's been in um, that I know of, except for Lord of War. If you watch Lord of War, uh, Lord of War cage never rages. He hmm. gets to the point to where he's about to, but you see him dial it back in such a way. And that shit surprised the fuck out of me. Like me and um, me and one of my roommates, um, his name was Paul. Like I was in the kitchen making some food and um, we were talking about Nicolas Cage and I was talk like telling him like, yeah, like Cage Rage is in every movie. That's the thing. And he was just like, not Lord of War. And I was like, what's Lord of War? And we sat and watched the whole thing on my laptop like it was a fucking sports game, like waiting on it to happen. And it never did. And um, it was a surprisingly dope movie. Like I fuck with Lord of War. Like that shit was ill. Like the character development in that shit from like him just being like a sleazy weapons dealer to like, you know what I'm saying? Like gaining humanity about himself and like ultimately like attempting to change his life, but like still whatever. That was ill. That was ill. He did Lord of War and The Weatherman kind of back to back. And that was after he'd done uh, the first National Treasure movie, I think it was like the year before that. So 2004 to 2005. And the studios positioned Lord of War and Weatherman as big Hollywood type things because he had done something so successful as National Treasure. These are not those movies. I feel like a lot of people went to adaptation were like, sick, Nick Cage, and walked out like, what is happening? <laughs> Who am I? Why am I here? Why are any of us here? 
<laughs> yeah, because like adaptation Nick Cage is like after Gone in sixty seconds and mm-hmm. after like what Wind Talkers. So mm-hmm. like there was a certain understanding of Nicolas Cage at that point. And this is like, this is after the, his big run in the nineties. And in my case, for me, it's like when he did the wicker man, he didn't lose me. He completely engaged me. That's where I was like, I'm in, I want to see Nicolas Cage forever on screen doing Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage was allowed to be kind of an asshole throughout the film and then get, a come up and stirs the end. Now we've turned this into the meme of, you know, not the bees, not the bees. Ah, but how he moves from this human, very human role of just an asshole cop, which we can all identify what an asshole cop is. Ugh. It's a cop. Yeah. All, you know, all. it's a redundant fucking term. So an asshole cop who's trying to bully a bunch of women into telling him what he wants to know gets his comeuppance by getting tortured by right. these same women and then burned alive. I think that's actually brilliant. And it made me like, yes, I want to see his suffering on screen. You think that um, the Wicker Man inspired Midsommar in any sense? Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely in line with that. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, because I just watched that um, Wicker Man recently, too. Um, like after watching it when I was a kid and didn't really too much understand what was going on and like watching that shit after watching Midsommar, it was just like, huh, there's a lot of, a lot of parallels, a lot of, um, a lot of like common, uh, symbology, a lot of common themes. Like it was, it was interesting nonetheless. I would read, I would read a dissertation on that, on the comparison there, compare contrast. Oh yeah, because um one one thing that I that I noticed was just like the bear shit. Um granted yeah. that like Nicolas Cage is a bear, like smack the fuck out, out of um out of <laughs> out of my liege, out of my lady. Um <laughs> like smack fire from it was bad. I was just like, yo. And then um it, it's interesting to see the juxtaposition of that to like midsummer to where um when my man was in a bear costume, he was like ultimately helpless. Yeah, he was completely emasculated. It was the like the the other side of that. Yeah, but they were both assholes. Like Nicolas yeah. Cage and um and the protagonist. Well, the who was really the protagonist in Midsummer? I think the protagonist was drugs. Yeah, <laughs> drugs. I, drugs. I think we got to ah! rename this podcast. The protagonist was drugs. The protagonist was. We've got drugs. we got two hashtags so far. Hashtag the protagonist was drugs and hashtag Blade is a documentary. Blade is a documentary. I'm with that shit. I will like rep that shit to the fullest extent everywhere. Yes, I love this. I think it's amazing. It's like it's not a conspiracy. Like we're gonna get the we're gonna get the data to back this shit up. They got us fucked up. Have you ever been to a blood rave? They're exactly like that. Of course. <laughs> Yo, have y'all noticed that every like club scene and movies in the 2000s is like essentially the same club but nobody really says shit about it like the club from blade the club from the matrix um the club from all the other like is it it looks like different sections of the same spot i guess maybe because people who write and and consume sci-fi don't go dance with people they have like the weirdest all those movies have the weirdest idea of what clubs are everyone's dressed the same and jumping up and down at the same time all the time. And I'm like, Nope, the club is really weird. You guys got to go to the club. I'm looking for that. Every club I go to, it's like, can I please, I just want everybody to jump around at the same time so I can like bury myself in the fucking crowd. Like, yeah. If you had to pick a movie to say to somebody, this is the Nicolas Cage movie you should watch first. Someone's never seen it or has never paid him any mind. What would that film be? Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's Raising Arizona one. is a perfect film and he's incredible in it. And it's a good baseline for who he is. Then you can like move to the crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm an avid David Lynch fan. Okay. Um, so I, I just like the wild shit. So I would just inject somebody like directly into color and space. Like, here you go. Oh, yeah. Have fun. (laughs) That's that's some deep end. Oh, yeah. Just that's one of the best movies I've seen in the past, like, five years. Yo, same. And I've been looking for a movie that genuinely, like, frightened me and made me feel uncomfortable because I've 
Yeah, I've watched most of, yeah, like 90% of the David Lynch films and shit. VHS, like um, Blue Velvet. Uh, what's the other one? Elephant Man. Uh, I don't have Inland Empire, but I have uh, Lost Highway and like the Twin Peaks series and the movie yeah. and all that shit. So it's just like, I love when films like make me uncomfortable and really just like immerse me. And when I watch films, I usually just go for the shit that, that is like extremely like off the deep end because it's just like yeah i i enjoy surrealism especially um when turned in the film um because it, yeah it just makes me feel like an array of feelings and it's like a unique experience so yeah i'd, I'd, I'd take them and launch them right into color and space i would pick something from the 90s and to me it's a toss-up between face-off or Snake Eyes. I think Snake Eyes is a bit oh, of a safer wow, pick, yeah. but Snake, Snake Eyes, Eyes is Snake Eyes is hugely underrated. You know, that's De Palma. Again, we're talking about these amazing directors he worked with. This is De Palma doing a really well done film. And I, I originally uh I originally saw this back in the 90s, but I rewatched it a couple of years ago and it's it holds up. It is such a good movie and it's such a great example of where Cage was going in terms of his kind of ticks as an actor and his, his sort of Elvis stuff, but also just like his clothing choices in it. Like this is everything we've talked about so far, you know, like just shows up in there. We're just like, you put him in Atlantic city with Gary Sinise and this is what happens. Snake eyes. We got to put cage in Atlantic city with Gary Suarez. <laughs> we, I mean, okay. I'd watch, I'd watch it. I'd watch it. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I want to write it. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs>